the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. <laughs> Okay, so this took me back. While I was like prepping for this interview, I, I put in a lot of heavy lifting prepping for interviews, of course. Um, I think I may have interviewed you when I was like 20. Really? Where? I think so. When you guys were doing work tour. So I was, I used to, the very first show I ever did was called Ripping It and Lipping It with Renee. Good name. Um, but I would interview bands Usually bands like you guys coming through Warp Tour and all of those things. But I mean, it was short lived. I did it when I was so young and I had not a fucking clue what I was doing. Like I probably if I did interview you, I would have asked you like the dumbest questions. But as I was like prepping and like going through your guys stuff, I'm like, I think I did. I tried to like find a video of it. And luckily I didn't find it because I probably would have had to cancel this otherwise. But yeah, we maybe go back farther than we know. I, the only other time I like walked into a dinner that you were into and I said one word and you literally went, are you from North Tonawanda? <laughs> and I pulled out my ID and handed you my ID and my ID said North Tonawanda on it. And you were like, no fucking way. The city that's always burning. It was, you guys were e eating sushi somewhere in like Orlando and a buddy of mine, like we like knew some of you guys and like took me there. And like, I, I, all I said was one thing. It was really funny. In Toronto, we would always get those Buffalo commercials. So we would get the, oh, you're in Tanawanda. The worst part is 
you're not the first person that's ever said that to me. Like numerous people, like when they're from Toronto or like Hamilton or something like that, like just over the border, they'll always go, Oh, North Tonawanda. That's a city that's always burning. Like there's always fires in that city. And you're like, I'm like, for me, I'm like, I guess I don't, I don't know. What's with that. Why are there always fires? I have no idea. Now I live like 20 minutes away. So are you like the king of Buffalo? Like it's pretty crazy that you guys have like ads like, I, I feel like I see people take the photos of you guys like around Buffalo. That's got to be like, I mean, I know you've done a million things, obviously, but still, that's like pretty cool to be able to like that hometown pride's awesome. The band did like a charity, like a big charity thing at the end of the year for like 20 years straight. So like in like at the last year, I mean, we probably generated like tons of money for the city of Buffalo. Like, so it's always been something that like, even to this day, like once we announced that like AEW is going to be there in September, like I just started like going, like trying to think of like ways I can do things in Buffalo. And like, I'm contenting like coffee shops and, you know, I want to like DJ a set. I want to like do as much as I possibly can leading up to that show. All right. I got a couple follow-up questions. One, one's more of a statement. I'm very excited that that's happening in September because that means that I can come on this trip and parlay it into a trip to Toronto. So ding, ding, ding. That's where my mind just went. Secondly, what kind of DJ sets do you do when you're DJing? What's like that vibe? Like now that the band's done, like I, I don't have, I don't, ha- I'm not currently working on like music. You know what I mean? So like my brain's still there and it wants to work. And I have this like cool thing that I want to do with wrestlers and my band friends and kind of do like shows where it's like a band guy versus a wrestler guy. And they just do DJ sets and I'll MC the thing and like do a really cool thing. And I kind of want the first one to be in Buffalo and I'll do one of my band dudes, you know, that I was in the band with. Who would you um, like comprise the teams of like, who would you bring from the wrestling side to step up to do that? You know how it is. Like there's rest, there's some wrestlers that just, don't have the personality to put them on a microphone and like, but there's <laughs> yeah. also band dudes like that. So like, sure. you, you don't, you don't want to like go putting a guitar player up there who can't talk. I'm like a dream would be like orange versus cause orange is like music taste is like all over the place. There's times where I'll see him like vibing about lines and stuff. I don't, I like pop music that like, I don't know about and he'll just be in his own head, like listening to it. And like, I'll always ask him, I'm like, dude, what's going on? Like, tell me about that. I want to hear it, you know? And then he'll tell me about what he's feeling when he's like listening to a song. And I don't know, as a musician and as like a, I guess like a student, like I love hearing that stuff. So like, I would probably do like orange versus like a metal dude okay, and see how, see how weird the, the room is. <laughs> and like when I used to, I used to do this DJ set and it only happened when we were in Europe, I would get asked to do DJ sets and I'm like, man, my taste of music is so far, like it's so all over the place that like I will bum an entire crowd out. <laughs> so like I have to like I'm like that with karaoke. I was like, who wants like some dramatic shit? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like who it's, wants not, to it's hear just not Radiohead by me. Yes. <laughs> yes. But that's what I mean. Like, and I, I so I, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to help with uh Violent Gentleman had me like go out and MC or like DJ a couple sets for like the NHL. Shout where, out like, to Violent Gentlemen, by the way. Great, great people always over there. The the greatest people. Yeah. So yeah, they had me do these things. And then I, I, I like would take that into account and I was like, dude, no one wants to hear Metallica right now. Like there's no one in this room that wants to like hear like an eight minute song about like World War II. Like no one wants to hear <laughs> yeah, it. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? 
you know, I really took it into account and I would make these like crazy things and I would cut out intros and like, I put too much time and more effort into it. So then when I went to Europe and I started getting offers to do DJ sets in Europe, I did this thing called DJ first four, where I would just play the first four Metallica records, take my shirt off and play air guitar on a table. And that literally is it. That sounds European as fuck. People would be like, yes, like so into that. That's great. I've seen everything during those sets too. (laughs) You see people like fighting, making out, like it's, it's, it's amazing. And like, I tried to do it a couple of times in the States and like, I have to be in like a bigger city. You know what I mean? Like if I did it in like Chicago or I did it in LA, like, oh, people would be into it. But like you go to like Lawrence, Kansas and you try to do like a Metallica night, it's not working. And like Metallica is like, you know, as mainstream as that genre could be to even like gravitate those people in. But um, I, I love that you do that. That sounds super fun. Um, hopefully we can like get a sitter for the baby when we're in Buffalo so I can attend. I want to do like guest barista thing. Like I'm really into coffee. I'm going to put myself to work that week. Great. Do you know how to do like the foam like faces and stuff? I have no idea. Okay, but you can YouTube it. You can YouTube everything. Anything I don't know how to do. There's a YouTube tutorial. Like I had to make a cake for my daughter's birthday. And I was like, I'm, I, I don't like to hack shit when I'm doing it. I want to do it. And I want it to be awesome. So I like made this smash cake that she's like ripped apart. But it was like this ombre icing. I've never really iced a cake before in my life. But YouTube shows you what's up. So I think that you could really, you know, get a good AEW logo done. And maybe you can do Tony Khan's face in some foam. Who knows? You should do his dad with the mustache. That would be that would be good. I mean, as a mustachioed man. Yeah. As a mustache, uh, I guess like an aficionado. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first house I've ever owned. If YouTube did not exist, this house would be in rubbles. YouTube has saved my life on that and cooking and like, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you have a baby, when you have a baby, YouTube's also very, very helpful. I actually have to go down a YouTube video later because our house is like, So there's like, you know, just like the inch thick of like drywall or plaster or whatever. But behind that, it's all brick. So anytime I want to hang something is like this whole fucking to do. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I literally hire a handyman that I'm like, can you come hang this picture for me? He's like, I have way more important things to do than come do one thing at your house. Um, So I need to figure some of this shit out. I would like to circle things back here really quickly because you were talking about different bands and different things that you like to do. Um, And I was watching uh, an interview that you did with Lexi Nair and you were talking about Scandinavian music. So, and the only thing I know about this really is like Turbo Negro. Well, that's like one of my favorite bands of all time. It's completely different than the other stuff. I'm into black metal. Black metal is like this weird thing where a lot of dudes, and this isn't for me. I don't listen to the bands that do this stuff. There's, there's bands that do like really right wing stuff, like extreme right wing stuff. And that I don't, I don't, I don't even get into it. I don't even get into it. But there's a dude named Gaul that sings for this band called Gorgoroth. He's against everything they're against. So he's like gay, but he's like this big stoic dude. Like that's the true form of like punk rock. So like when I got into like punk rock, it was obviously like establish, like destroying the establishment, right? So like you're, you're just doing this constantly to everything. And that's the reason why I have hand tattoos. And that's the reason why I'm covered in tattoos. And I think anyone else that probably is covered in tattoos would probably tell you the same thing. So when I got into black metal, it was like, whoa, these dudes are like way more punk. Like they don't care about anybody. They don't care about anything. Like this is like the most like weirdly nihilistic 
thing. And when I found out about Gall, it was like, oh man, this dude's cool as hell because he truly doesn't care. I got to go see Turbo Negro in Vancouver years and years and years ago. And it was like one of like it was uh, the Commodore Ballroom, I think it was It's like this. It, the like floor kind of bounces. It's a it's a yeah. cool venue. But I remember when to see Turbo Negro there. And what is the lead singer of Turbo Negro's name again? Oh, it was um, he just passed away. Oh, really? it was. Um, yeah. Oh, it, uh, Hank, Hank, Hank. Hank. Yeah. I mean, hell of a showman, that guy. Incredible. Was it around like 2008? No, it would have been before that. It would have been. No, maybe it was around then. It could have been around 2008. Yeah, maybe it was. Because we played Seattle. We played at New Showbox with Under Oath. And while I was playing, our tour manager came up and was like, well, as soon as you're done, take your guitar off and just run to the other Showbox because Turbo Negro's playing. I remember taking my guitar off, throwing it at him and just bolting down the street and seeing Turbo Negro in Seattle. So I wonder if they went to Vancouver like the night after. We Maybe. might have seen them like literally like that day. Yeah, yeah. It was wild. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it could have been around that. As I was like doing the math, I was like, wait, how old was I when I saw them? Yeah, that actually might add up. It could have been around that. I'm sure. I don't know how often they come through and tour in Canada, but I'm glad I got to see it. Oh, they're the best. Um, okay, growing up in Buffalo. What was growing up in Buffalo like for you? I mean, as much as it's just across Lake Ontario for me from Toronto, they're similar, but I'm sure there's tons of differences as well. What was life like for you as a kid in Buffalo? I think Buffalo, I think it's like that place. It's like, we're all winners, but like the perception of us on the outside is that we're losers because it's like, it's always, we're always getting dumped on by snow. Our teams can't win. Like our sports teams can't win. You know what I mean? Like you never hear anyone go like, yeah, Buffalo's awesome. Except for the people that live in Buffalo. And now it's become like, it's so much different than growing up. So my fiance is from LA. And when she moved to Buffalo, she's like, oh my God, this new restaurant opened up over here. And I'm like, I've literally watched a guy get stabbed there. I'm like painting this like insane picture about Buffalo. I'll give you like, when you're here, it's definitely not like Toronto. Where Toronto, you just have this like metroplex, you know, this giant metropolis like Buffalo and everything's pretty condensed in that one little area that is Buffalo. And then like, it's blue collar. There's not like a lot of white collar jobs here or there wasn't when I was a kid. So like when I was a kid, it was just kind of like, Oh man, like really, I got to work in a factory when I get older. And you know, my dad worked in a factory. My uncles worked in a factory. I thought I was going to work in a factory. And I did that was, I, I was like an engineer assistant or something like that for like, two years where I worked in a factory and like, I literally thought that was my life. And I remember being like, Oh my God, I got to play more guitar, but I never moved. I loved it. When you grow up somewhere like that, where it's kind of hard to see beyond those things, especially like your family does it. Everyone around you is doing that. They're all working, you know, in those same factories doing all those things. And for you to be like, Oh, you know what? I'm actually pretty good at guitar. I'm going to ride this out. You join the band. Everything takes off. You become a professional wrestler. That all takes off like pretty crazy for you to like be plucked from that and not plucked from that. I mean, obviously you worked super hard for that. Uh, but did your family understand what you were trying to do? My family is probably like the most, they were the most supportive. And I think they were like, realized like I have bad learning disabilities. So like school just wasn't for me. Oh, like what? Dyslexia. Fucking dyslexia, man. Yeah. Anyone's listening to this and wants to check some stuff out. There was like a bunch of like misdiagnosis of dyslexia. And there's this other thing. I have no idea. It's called like something, something like effect or something. Basically what happens is some people can't see white and black. 
for me, I have to read one page like four times because it's just white and black for some reason does it. If okay. I put like rose colored glasses on, like exactly like the term rose colored glasses, I only have to read it one time. I'm, I'm learning more and more every day about my brain. Like I never, I never paid attention to communication. I never paid attention to, you know, I, I was in a van touring at 17 and toured until I was 43 years old. That's crazy. How was it for you um, coming down from that, from being on the road for that long, uh, parlaying everything into professional wrestling? And obviously we'll delve into that, but to have um, every time I die come to an end, how has that been for you? I'm still having problems. Like I'm still having problems with it. It's, you know, my life was um, like, it's alphabet soup, right? It's, it's not like full center. You have to like, look for like things, you know what I mean? So like my life was really just like a bunch of things just thrown at the wall. And then you kind of stop that. And then you have to like, realize that like, I have, I have bad problems, like, uh, with like scheduling, you know what I mean? Like it's stuff, it's just stuff like that. It, it, and it's, you know, that's the type of things that like you, you're, when you're thrown in a van at 17, like no one's really teaching you like life stuff. They're just kind of like, you just stay in a van. And then like when problems occur, you just get back in the van, you know? And, uh, now it's, it's kind of like you, you kind of have to like grow up really fast and you realize like, oh man, I thought I was, I thought I was grown up. And then all these things just kind of hit you and you're like, oh man, that's okay. This is life. This is like, this is how life is without a van and a trailer, you know? I always think about like the identity crisis that kind of comes from something like that, from doing something for so long and then that coming to a stop. And then all of a sudden it's like this reevaluation of like, who am I? What am I doing? What's happening again? It's a weird way to just kind of like bob back up to the surface and take a look around and like really reevaluate what you're doing and what you want to spend your time doing after you've been doing it for so long. Like it can be such a mind fuck. Oh, well, the, the biggest thing is like, it's not normal. Like our parents never got to walk out and have 20,000 people scream at them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, to kind of like crush the ego on that is like, it's hard, you know? And it, it, mm-hmm. and it makes you sound like such just a wimp when you're like, you're trying to communicate it. And like, that's something I struggle with a lot of it. I'm just like, dude, just suck it up, man. You're a wimp. Like, stop. Like you literally had people cater to you in a band for like years. And now it's like, I I just, I had a tour manager and I had a manager and I had, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like just stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I know exactly what you mean with that, but I know what you mean where it's like, if if people don't understand that, it's like, okay, you lived a a charmed life for a while. And now you're like, you know, back to doing whatever. I mean, you're still doing amazing other things, but it is such an adjustment when you've been doing one thing for so long. Like, it's funny, I joke about that all the time from uh, not being at WWE. We used to get all of our information on this app of like, you've got to be at this appearance. You've got this thing coming up. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm so bad at scheduling my own stuff. Like, I always joke that I'm like the worst boss I've ever had because I'm like booking shit left, right and center. Did I put it in my phone? Have I sent out the Zoom link? What's going on? Yeah. Having somebody just kind of like corral those things for you uh, can be. Yeah. When did you get into entertainment? Like when did you start doing entertainment? Around 18, I guess, is when I like first really started doing like as soon as I finished high school is right when I started doing it. Like I finished high school, didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I wanted to perform in some capacity. And I was like, second cities in Toronto, that's what I'm going to go do. And that was like the first thing I was like, take my $250 and show me what to do. 
but yeah, I mean, when you start doing something like that from a young age and it's all you like really know is that world that yeah, doing like, it's a completely different work ethic. Oh, totally. It's such a grind. I'm not a numbers guy. So like that was one of my big things when I was in school. One of my biggest learning disabilities was just not, I can't remember numbers to save my life. You can put them there. I have to read it a hundred times for me to even get it. And, um, once I kind of realized that that's really what real life is like, or like you have to go work in a place where like you have to pay attention to all this stuff. And my brain just doesn't work that way. So like once I could funnel it into music and kind of like get that ball rolling. And then once I realized like, I kind of know what a tune is, I can kind of like put this together. And then once I found like like-minded dudes, then it got really easy. Did you find like other like coping mechanisms to kind of help with those things, that things that you did struggle to learn, you could find little ways around it that helped you figure it out? A hundred percent. Like I I have to like explain stuff to my fiance sometimes when it like the way my brain works and especially with like music, like I don't know how to read music. So like I just picked up a guitar and it just made sense. So like to me, it was more like Tetris than it was anything. I would just make these shapes up in my head and then I would just play these shapes. So like if I wrote out music to you, it would only make sense to me and the dudes I I was in the band. (laughs) They learned your language. They had to. So like a lot of it is like X's and O's or I'll use like squares for certain things and triangles for certain things, or I'll describe like a, a feeling or something like that. Wrestling to me is like, it's like writing a song. Once I kind of like understood how to write that song, it was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like there's an intro, there's an outro, there's a chorus, you know, you need bridges and you need like stuff like that. So like I'll see colors for certain things. That's amazing. I love that. That's like a transferable skill of like what you were doing at music to be able to apply that to wrestling. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, where, okay. So your love of wrestling, you're touring with this band. Like you said, we're on the road from 17 to 43, Finding your passion for professional wrestling to the point of wanting to actually work at it, get signed to AEW and like have this other career. How the hell did you do that? That's crazy. I mean, I was obsessed with wrestling and it just never seemed realistic because there was nothing near Buffalo. I went over the border and did some some training over there like that. I blew my ACL out when I was like 18. And that literally was the catalyst that got a guitar in my hand. And got me to play like seriously, like, and I'm, I think I'm, I can talk once people like get me to talk, but I'm pretty shy. Like I'm pretty like closed inward. You know what I mean? And, um, I think that was like my coping mechanism to like blowing my ACL out. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to pick up this guitar. And then I started a band and I kind of like, I don't know, like I kind of kind of got the ball rolling, like with that, just to see how it was. And then once I kind of like caught the fever, (laughs) It just kept going. You know what I mean? And, and every time I die was like really easy. I always kind of go back and forth sometimes, like even just in like my own career, if I feel like something like comes together really easily, it's like, okay, cool. That's the thing I'm supposed to be doing. But then sometimes you do hit those hurdles where it's like, no, just like put your head down and grind and still get this other shit done, even though it's not coming to you as easily. It can be like such a catch 22. I find if I'm like pushing against a grain too much, I'm like, all right, maybe I should stop doing this or like reevaluate what I'm doing. But it's, yeah, it's hard to decipher those things sometimes. I think that like what you say though, I think that that's like a, a major thing when people ask you like for advice, I think that that's the thing that I always tell them is like persistence is really the biggest thing where like, you're going to hit a hurdle. And if you realize that that hurdle's too tough, it just isn't for you. 
I've had numerous conversations with people on tour where like they'll tour the band and the guys, there's a guy complaining and I just pull them aside and I go, dude, maybe touring isn't for you. Like it just, it, it isn't for you. Like if, if you're missing everything, it's not for you, man. And that's okay. Failure is literally like the best thing for success because it literally tells you where you're at. And not everything is for everyone. Just because this one thing doesn't work out for you doesn't mean like you find your other lane and you gravitate towards that thing. I always feel that way about like different successes on things too. It's like, just like, first of all, this line of work, especially is not for everybody. And that's how people get weeded out along the way is if you can hack it during some of those really tough times, I mean, grinding it out on the road, people I'm sure think that being on the road like that's super glamorous and fun and everyone's partying all the time, but it's, it's definitely not always that. I always kind of try to knock people down when they say that. It's like, oh yeah, being in a band is great. Like sitting in a 15 passenger van for five, eight, you know, eight hours, barely making it to a show, having to load equipment through a crowd of a thousand people. Like that's awesome. Like that's, that's literally what I wanted when I want to start a van. You know what I mean? And then people are like, oh, really? You got to do that? Like, yeah, yeah. And then you think that I'm going to hang out after the show? No, I got to get back in the van and drive eight hours through the night to somewhere else. What are some of your touring hacks? How did you survive being on the road for so long? If I had a mantra, this is my mantra. Us as human beings, we put ourselves in boxes and we start with the most dumb thing. It's just like, I'm a punk. Okay. I'm in a box. I live in a house. That is a box. Every room is a box. Every single thing that we do, we're looking into a box right now. We're, later on, we're going to turn a box on and we're going to watch a box. When you walk outside and you go onto a sidewalk, you're literally walking in little boxes. So like taking yourself out of the box, literally only for 15 minutes a day is like one of the most important things. So every single day I try to get out into nature. I try to like touch grass. I try to touch trees to get myself out of the box. That's been my thing since I've been probably like 20 years old. Once I realized that like, I kind of get sensory overload from this stuff, like I need to go, you know what I mean? And like, get away. A lot of times it's tough because you're stuck in a city and there's no way to like get out of that. I think it was like five or six shows ago. I went out and I was just doing grounding. I don't know. I think we were in like Kansas city or something. And there was a really nice hill next to the hotel and like when the bus got up in the morning, I was like laying on the hill, just kind of like feeling grass and stuff. And the bus like left. And when I got to work, everyone was like, dude, what were you doing? <laughs> I like to feel yeah. nature. I like to feel grass. And I like to like get away from this, you know, like being in a box to go back to that answer of like, since the band's been done, it's been taking myself out of boxes. And you realize that like, if you've done something for 25 years, you just keep putting yourself in a box. Like I'm a guitar player. I'm this. I'm this, I'm this. And once you can kind of realize you can just go, Hey, you know what? Like, I love my fiance. I love my house. I love my life outside of that. That's my box. And once you can protect that box, then it's like super easy. You don't have to have other boxes. I think about stuff like that often too, especially having a daughter that like, I need to get her outside. She needs to see all these things. She needs to see the birds and the flowers and all those things. And it's so easy as like adults to be like, oh, I got to be on my phone. I've sent this email. I've got to respond to this person. I've got to do this thing. And literally, if I do that, she just looks at me and goes, ah, like screams in my face. And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Yes, I have to juggle my my work and my real life and like all of those things. But yeah, I, I just being able to get outside and be in nature and just like break up that pattern of just like staring at 
your phone, the TV, whatever the fuck. Oof, it can be some heavy lifting sometimes, though, because it's such the norm to do. It really is. I love watching movies. I love sitting in front of the TV. I love my couch. I love my house. It's just one of those things where it's like, if you do that all the time, you're going to turn into like a robot. You meet people, especially in entertainment, where you're just like, man, I just met that dude. Oh, totally different than what I thought. And like, now I feel gross. (laughs) Yeah. And it happens a lot. It happens a lot. Yeah, it does. Unfortunately. Um, Okay. Pro wrestling, you're signed to AEW. How did you go from being on a band, touring as often as you guys were, doing all the things that you were doing to also parlaying things into this whole other career? Like, how the hell did you manage to find the time to do that? I think it was almost kind of like out of necessity. Things in the band were kind of starting to get ugly, I would say probably about 12 years ago. Oh, shit. So you guys were holding on. Not like holding on. Like, it just kind of like, if it went kaputs 12 years ago, it would have been the same if it went kaputs like it did in December. Someone in the band literally was just creating something that made me go, fuck, I need to do something else. And... It presented itself. A school literally opened up in Buffalo. Jesse, my partner, Blade, he started like going there just to get some training in. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just go and just bump around. You know, like I don't have any aspirations. I really don't have the time to like do this competitively or, you know, as a profession. But like I'll go there and like get a workout in and whatever, you know. The more I went, the more I did it. People just kept saying, like, dude, you should do this. And I started getting like offers. Like once it kind of like got out there, like people were offering like shows and or spots at least. Then I was like doing shows. I would dress exactly like I was on stage. I would come out exactly the same way. So if an ETID fan wanted to come see me wrestle, it'd be like, holy shit, I just saw that dude play guitar and now he's exactly here. But when you do that, you kind of pigeonhole yourself and then you kind of get the same offer over and over again, which is like, hey, come to our promotion. Like our top heel is going to be in the ring. He's going to have a fake guitar with him. He's going to strum it. He's going to make fun of you and you're going to choke slam him. And like, that's it. It kind of stinks. You know what I mean? Like you got to get pigeonholed in there. And I was like that. And Jesse literally went, Hey man, if you want to get treated like a wrestler, look like a pro wrestler, go buy boots, get trunks and see if it's for you. And I was like, okay. And I went and I did it. And then I was like, Oh man, this is really cool. And you can probably move a lot better, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Once I kind of got the ball rolling on that, like the creativeness of pro wrestling is the same exact creative thing I use for music. And like, at first I wasn't getting it. I wasn't making sense of that part of it. And then once I realized like, oh man, there's like way more showmanship than there is. Like showmanship is like the most important thing I think in wrestling. Because if you can't just get in the ring and like make the crowd react to anything, that's kind of hard. Like you can go out there and do a bunch of movements, but like if you don't have the entertainment part and I was like, oh man, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been like entertaining people for a long time. It just never clicked. And then when it, once it did, it was like, oh, okay. Like, man, maybe I could do this. And then like offers kept coming for like actual wrestling instead of just that spot. And then Jesse was just kind of vocalizing the fact that he wanted to like do more. And we were at the time we were just working in Toronto and he was like working in a tag team. And then like I was just in like multi-mans like all the time. It wasn't, there was never any weight on me. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, I don't know what to do with them. We'll put them in an eight-man. And then once me and Jesse started like tagging, then my brain just started kind of like going, oh shit, like, oh, if I look at us like outlaws and then kind of like come up with something that makes us kind of look like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, 
that's where the name came from. It was like the butcher and the blade. It has nothing to do really with like us being like butchers, but I like the idea of like normal guys going out and like kicking some ass. Football fans, check out the three and out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip. John has you covered. Download 3 and Out with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. Guys, welcome to the session starring yours truly, Renee Jane Paquette, and one Emilio. Emilio, what's your middle name? It's Vincent. <laughs> what? But wait, is Vincent's middle name Emilio? No, it's Joseph. Wow. I know. So Vinny is clearly the favorite child, loved so much. Both children are named after him. I am named after my father's father, and my brother is named after my mother's father. It's a whole thing. It's a whole Italian I kind of like that amongst families, though. I like when families have that tradition. Like, I mean, I, I, it's kind of nice to take a little bit of the guesswork out because naming a person is obviously incredibly stressful, but it's also a good time. It's fun coming up with a new name. Right. But I'm thinking if I ever do decide to procreate with someone, do I really want them to endure to be Emilio Vincent Madunio the fourth? Yes. That's so regal. Yeah. It's kind of cool. The fourth? Jesus. Do you know how much I got to sign? I got to sign like E, Emilio Vincent. It's a long name though. Emilio Vincent Madunio the third. Do you hit like a one, two, three? What do you do? Uh, the number three? Do you Roman numeral it? I Roman numeral it. So what I do is I keep it real easy. I just abbreviate the whole thing. EVM three. That's it. Wow. That's my signature. How Boom. did you feel when EC three was busy doing his thing? Well, you know, he's controlling his own narrative. So God bless. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, God bless. God bless. Bless up. Bless up, babe. Okay, listen, um, I would like to dedicate this episode um, to the person on Twitter um, the last time we did an episode that was pissed that we talked about so much home decor, because that's where this is headed. This one's for you, baby. I have a blank canvas. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm doing circular motions with my hand on my (laughs) white wall. So I've got my fake ass plant. Gilda Radner's still behind me, but I think I've got two options. So I have a little bit more free time now to actually do the things that I need to do. We've we've uh, recently acquired a nanny who is a, a godsend, an angel amongst us peasants. Uh, and now I have a bit more free time to get some stuff done. So set design has bumped up the list of things that I need to accomplish. So I'm wondering, do I just go inside the head of me and decorate whatever I want? Or do I put this out to the people and see if somebody wants to draw me up a little design idea that I pull the trigger on? You could do a cool contest, design Renee's studio contest. And if they suck, you just go inward and do it your own thing anyway. True, true. But you're good, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, your house is, like, real wavy. So it's, like, it it's decorated, like, cool. Like, you're, like, you're, like... Got sprinkles of West Elm all over the joint. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> By the way, you inspired me when you asked me about um, our which bed set we had. I, I ended up buying the the bedside tables. Oh, see, good. You need that. You need that. I have not yet decided on what bed. You've not done it. I have not done it yet. There's, there's a bed called the Floyd that I'm thinking of getting. 
Let me put this in your ear, though. I didn't know that Drew Barrymore had um, a home decor line. And it looks quite nice because as I was like, um, so before Emilio and I jumped on here, we were actually supposed to have a guest on who couldn't make it last second. So Emilio and I just get to bullshit here about home decor for a little bit. Um, But while I was waiting and I was just sitting here uh, ruminating on that episode, um, I started looking up different set designs and I was looking up Drew Barrymore's set. I'm like, what does her set look like? I've seen it, obviously, but like I wanted to like really hone in on it. But that's when it took me to her home decor stuff. And I was like, wait, hold the phone. She's got some really cute shit. It's like it's quirky Drew Barrymore. That's like up my alley. I don't know if I'm quirky Drew Barrymore. You know, I I don't know if I have the never been kissed vibes. Uh, You know, I don't think I'm Josie Grossy, but I think I can definitely figure out something like I'm into like modern contemporary. So I'm trying to figure out what do I want? I, I just need one thing in the corner to put all my my clothes in and I've been purging and getting rid of a ton of shit so the best oh, I love it I, and I don't have a lot but it's just a lot of black clothing so it's like how many of the same t-shirt do I need because I used to make a habit of packing so light when I was on the road with WWE that I would go to like a Target or a JCPenney's and I would pick up a black t-shirt and just wear that and do laundry with my jeans if I was on a loop and that would be it Like, that's all I would do. And I would just be like, boop, done. See you later. I always pack as if I'm going to go to the fucking Met Gala wherever I'm going. (laughs) I bring dresses I've never worn. I bring shoes I've never worn. Like John and I just went. um, He had a pay-per-view in Chicago. Then TV was in Detroit. I did that whole loop with him. And keep in mind that Nora and I now share a suitcase. So it's like extra some bullshit. Um, it's just a, it's a mess, but I brought these like over the knee cowboy boots, never wore them, Oh my but God. I brought them, You should obviously, you know, I'm saving them for Nashville. Oh, obviously. obviously, I love a theme. I love a theme. I'll bring my boots then. Here you go. Giddy up. What are we going to wear in Nashville? I'm very excited for this Nashville trip. So I, I don't know you guys, I'm hoping that you've seen it, that I've posted uh, on my social media and whatnot, but through Starcast. We're going to be down there doing a live episode of the sessions featuring one member of the Blackpool Combat Club, my former co-host of Talking Smack, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. I'm super pumped for this. Like not only just to like have that live atmosphere and that the guest is Brian, we're in Nashville, get to like put on a real outfit. I'm like going to put on some makeup and everything. It's going to be a big deal. Does the tassel leather jacket make a comeback? I actually recently bought a tassel jacket that I've not worn yet. It's too hot though. It's going to be way too hot for a jacket like that, I think. Even for the aesthetic of wherever we're going to be recording this thing with you and the dragon? Okay, I'll pack the jacket. I'm driving down, so I've got space. I've got space in the car. That's the beauty of driving places is you don't pack a bag. You pack the car. Why does the kid not have her own suitcase when clearly she needs more clothes because of like the spit up and the poop and all of that jazz? Well, her clothes are so tiny, so I can just like roll them up into my bag and we can share. But how cute would it be to get her own little luggage? Her own little luggage. It actually would be really cute. Yeah, that I've thought about it. I've just, you know, I've not really felt the need to pull the trigger on it yet. One way or the other is going to happen. You're going to be in like full length knee cowboy boots. A tassel jacket might happen. 
I yes. think I'm I think I'm gonna bring out like my flare pants, like something with a little oh, bit something with please. a little bit more flare on the on the on, on the bottom. I think I'm gonna do that. I would so. love that. Please, please, please do that. Lean into it. We love a boot cut. Do a boot cut with a great shoe. This is like I don't feel like Nashville's the place for a sneaker. I think it's the place for like a really nice Chelsea shoe. Chelsea boot. I'll probably bring out the snake skins and we'll have a nice little party. Now we're talking turkey. I got um, Nora some really great little cowboy boots at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. No. We stopped at the Cracker Barrel and I was like, excuse me, what are these little cowboy boots? So I picked them up for her. I cannot wait to have her in them. But I'm really starting to dabble into this whole like matching outfits with my daughter. Is that the worst thing someone can do? Because I'm very much so pulled in the direction of doing it. But then once I do it, I'm like, oh, fuck, should I not be doing this? I I think, listen, like the kid's not even two yet. I say enjoy it. She just turned a year. She's only 13 months. Right. I'm saying enjoy it. Rock out. You want to wear matching pink vans? Go for it and Mm -hmm. do it. You want to wear a little cowboy. How cute are our matching pink vans? They're adorable. Most of the time I've seen the kid, she's shoeless anyway. So once in a blue moon, put a shoe on the kid, take a couple flicks, post it on your social media, have a good time. Now, does it get a little weird when maybe she's like, let's say 15, 16, you're doing the mother-daughter combo? Well, then I'd be really clinging on as well. I'd be keep me young, keep me vibrant. Which I very much could be doing that. Let's not discount that. I don't think so. I think you and John are just these incredibly hip and cool people. So you'll always be that cool mom without having yeah, to right. try. You feel We're me? Cool. Like you're wearing a goddamn Hardy Boys t-shirt right now. Like <laughs> what other mom's going to be wearing a Hardy Boys t-shirt and pulling it off with whispery looking bangs? Come on, dude. Like you got this. I'm so glad we did this episode. I feel so great right now. You're right. You're right. She's going to be leaning on me for some good outfit inspiration. I hope that she can like look back on my photos and look back on some videos, some some strong Renee Paquette content and be like, oh, my mom had it going on. Look, I don't think she's going to go to dad for fashion advice because it seems like there's one pair of jeans and a combat boot and that's it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't tell him that. John thinks he is like fucking... I don't know, Jean-Paul Gaultier, who's like a good... Oh, uh, no, Jean-Paul like Gaultier is pretty good, too. You know, he probably thinks he's 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 Sailor Wrong as well. In yeah, the, he thinks he is Louis Vuitton. I would love to just see that man in something else. Like, you know, like, here's a button-down black dress shirt, nothing crazy. Or, you know what? Here's a piece of flannel. Just, it's a working oh, man's shirt. he looks great in a flannel. Let me tell you, it is an, it's an erotic experience. <laughs> he had one on the other day, and I was like, excuse you, look at you go. <laughs> That's like the trick that he has is when you dress so simply all the time, which I love. Like I I, I'm, I am on his team 100% that like a plain white t-shirt and just some jeans, you can never go wrong. A crispy white shirt, people love that look. But then you throw a flannel on there. If I get him in like a good denim on denim though, that could really be crushing some hearts. I think he is a monochromatic dresser and he has no idea that he is. So it's like you just pair it with like one solid for one thing and then you base it with another with another base. So like a darker denim. Let's say it's like I don't see him in light washed jeans. It's always like a dark denim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why is that? Should I should he have a light washed jean? I've never really thought about I it. I think like maybe something like that or I can't see him experimenting with like raw hemmed jeans as well where like the hem on the bottom is not like tapered and, and sewn. I've got that on right now. 
this is what I think we should do, right? Like we can also make it up. We'll just make it a vlog at part of the vlog that we're going to film for that as well. I need new ripped jeans. Let's go shopping. Two things I would like to do in Nashville because I've done this once in Nashville and I've lost it, but I got a custom hat made that needs to be revisited. Falls just around the corner. It's time for everybody to get out their wide brim hats and some iced coffees and add a little fucking pumpkin spice to it, but also a good cowboy boot. I like an over-the-top cowboy boot. I want it to be embroidered with, like, some flowers, maybe the moon. Maybe there's a fucking wolf howling at the moon. I want that. Maybe I'll do that on a belt. I don't know if I can do the wolf howling on the moon in my boots, but... I would do it. I would definitely do the belt, though. I can find the belt. But I definitely want ripped jeans because I don't have a pair of ripped jeans. And I'm thinking of of exploring another color outside of black. So I'm thinking, let's go. Let's go. Let's go rip blue jeans. Why not? Okay. What is it? Is it 6th Street? Is that where we go? Is that Nashville or is that Austin? I always get them confused. I have no idea. I have I no idea. I think 6th Street is Nashville. I, I'm not sure. Bro- I know Broadway for sure is Nashville. 6th Street's Austin. I'm full of shit. Well, let's go just swag out and, you know, like, we're both into vintage shit. I'm wearing a vintage Rick the Model Martell t-shirt today, so. Look at us go. You know. Okay, great. That's going to be part of the vlog. Um, I'm excited to expand upon our content while we're out in Nashville, like we're also going to be gathering a couple other episodes of the show. Not entirely sure. We've got oh, yeah. a guest for sure hammered down. The other ones we're going to have to um, set out some some little invites uh, and get that locked away. But yeah, we can go up and go shopping. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do. I'm excited. I love Nashville. I'm with it. And I, and the main thing I want to do while we're out there is besides the GCW show, I want to see John <gasps> versus... We get De- to just go to a show together. There we bud. go. There we go. I want to see John I, versus I Desperado. Just, so. I would just like to say this. So I've not been to a... Like I've obviously been to shows, but I leave. My daughter goes to bed at 6.30. So I leave the venue at no later than like 5.15 to get her home, get some food in that belly, give her a little bath and put her to bed. But we are going to have a little extra set of hands with us in Nashville. Um, so that means I can actually come to a show and enjoy and just kick. I don't know if I'll stay. I don't go. I don't usually stay up past 10 p.m. So that might be a different issue, but I'm ready to go. We'll just get you some like coffee beans to sniff or whatever and be like, here, here's an iced coffee. Drink this. I'll start Getting a dip? Yeah, just start dipping, start bro. Dipping just like a, dip. a t- <laughs> pa- pack a good lip. <laughs> Ew, pack a lip, brother. How many of those Gross. things do you see around your house? Is it like bottles or just like cups? Oh, it's bottles. It's, it's always bottles. I know. It's it's so unfortunate. What a what a bad habit. Listen, it's one habit at a time over here. We're a work in progress. <laughs> it's all a work in progress. That's it's it. fine. That's it's it. fine. It's fine. I just started watching Succession. Have you watched Succession? I watched the real life Succession. It's called the WWE right now. So <laughs> Um, what no, a complete I, and utter shit show oof, that is, huh? 100,000% too. Uh, so no, but um, I haven't. I've heard about it though. Me and a a, uh, a young Tor Langston has been telling me to get on Succession. Mm. So I have he to listen. Is, I would say E is like one of my go-tos in terms of like, he has never steered me in the wrong direction of a TV show. Ever, ever, ever. He always brings the goods. He got me to revisit the entire series of Seinfeld because I haven't watched it in in years and in fact like I never really watched it it was like maybe like six years ago I I I was 
I had a summer of love where I was with this girl for a little while and all we did a was summer of love. Oh, that's all we did. We got real cozy and we would watch Seinfeld and and just like eat food and talk life, oh, that but we would nice. we would watch Seinfeld. So that was the first time I really sat what happened? and watched Why'd it. Why did you guys break up? Uh, it was just it was just she get all Jerry on you? No, no, it was just the summer thing. It was like, all right. Oh, I, okay. I'm good. I, what? Are, oh no, they call it what is a summer cu- fling? No, no, no. What's like the holiday one? Cuffing season. Well, cuffing is, season. Wh- well, cuffing season is when it gets cold out. You want to cuff up and you want to boo for the entire winter so you don't have to go out. But then once it's summer season, why is it, it called cuffing? Because you're cuffing up with somebody. Like oh yeah, like let's cuff up, mm. girl. Let's let's get cozy together. It's a cute name. For it is. It's I adorable. Like it. It's adorable. Cuffing but I didn't want to. I didn't want to cuff up. I wanted a summer. I wanted a summer romance. Interesting. I feel like I'd be more of a holiday romance person than a summer romance person. Oh, no, because then you got to spend money on this person that you really don't like. <laughs> you got to bring them around your family. Like, hey. Oh, okay. I didn't think about that aspect. Sure, hey, Ange. True. Here's a complete stranger that I've been smooching with for two months. Have you ever brought someone home that Ange didn't like? She hated them all. And I've only. No. Yeah. I've. You know, we got to have Ange on one day. Does she tell you this when you're in the relationship or does she just tell you afterward? Oh, absolutely. She tells me during. There was one time where a girl went to go see, I guess, a psychic. And she said, well, I'm supposed to be with your son forever and we're going to have kids. And my mother was like, oh, that's nice, sweetie. Emilio, can I speak to you in the kitchen for a minute? Yeah, mom, get rid of her. I want her out of my house. Oh, my God. Heads are going to roll. But growing up here, though, it was weird, though. I guess I could share this one. This is this is interesting. So Ange had this thing and it was like me and my boys when we were about like 15, 16 years old, we were going to I think it was like the Greek fest in Staten Island where it was like this big Ooh. festival, right? Great, great food, rides, whatever. Oh, like really, hell yeah. really fun stuff that celebrates like Greek I culture. I love a Mediterranean experience. Oh, my God. It was it was always it was always a blast. Right. Yeah, so, bend me over and call me baklava. Let's that's go. Fucking go, bro. So uh <laughs> we would we would go and before we were leaving one time, we were coming out the door and she goes, Listen, before you go out chasing skirt, make sure you look at the girl's shoes. And we mm. uh we all we all like turn back into a beeline back into the into the kitchen and I go, Well, why, mom? What is and, this wisdom? And she goes, Listen to me. If a girl doesn't take the time to clean her shoes. What makes you think she's going to take the time to clean her bukyak? <laughs> no, she did not. Also, it's so much better when you give Ange this like raspy, like chain smoker voice. And she's not a chain smoker, but how else are you going to imitate an Italian mom from Staten Island? So it's like, yeah, so, and, but she, she gets animated with it too, with the, the sure. hands. So she's like, listen, if they don't take the time to clean their shoes, what makes you think to take the time to clean the bukyaks? And then we just, so we all looked at each other like quizzically and we're like, oh and no. And that's never left your brain, has it? Do you always scan people's shoes now? Yes. And Renee, I went to a high school reunion where I, I saw a couple of my homies that I haven't seen since high school. And they say, yo, your mom dropped that knowledge dart. And every time now I scan from the feet to the face, I have to look <laughs> at the shoes. It's insane. I'm telling you. That's so funny. Well, you know, I, I mean, I heard similar information kind of just involving the shoes that you can basically tell everything you need to know from the kind of shoes that somebody wears, which I think is pretty accurate for the most part. Like your shoes really sum up who you are as a person, I would say, which is why I think I have a hard time wearing my Nikes. I'm just not a per. I'm not that person. 
I try and I try, but it's just not me. I am a booty. Uh, I, I'm a booty. I like a good booty. I like a good studded shoe. I like a Doc Martin. That's my vibe. Well, also, too, I guess like that's how you where you grew up too. like, you know, true, you, you were true, predominantly true. in like, let's say, like live punk rock, rock bands and, and all of that stuff. True. And where you were very, very true and where you were in Ajax. But where I was, it was always just you just dropped Ajax up in this bitch. Hell yeah. Drop that pin. Drop that pin on that location, baby. I want to go to Ajax. Oh my um, God. Listen, 401, uh, Westney Road, 995, Road, what up? Harwood, what up, y'all? Exeter High. I don't know. I guess like in, in Staten Island too, it was just always like everybody wore, you know, Uptowns and everybody wore Jordans and there was always an Air Max. So it was always one of those things like very rarely did I have friends that were wearing Chuck Taylors or Vans. See, my Vans I'm down with. My Vans I can do and I've got a, I got a good like platform Chuck that I'm, I'm quite into. Like I love Vans now, but when I was... When I was younger, I was just like, ooh, this is, this is this, this is hot. When I was starting to make my own G in this world and I was making a little extra money when I was DJing, I was like, well, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy this. And and then once I got sponsored by Nike for a little while, I was like, give me it all. Just yeah, give me all hook of Hook it up to my vein. So that, so that was what it was. I think that's actually really accurate on like when you look at like where you're from and what you grew up around. And there's, I feel like people often get trapped in a certain fashion time capsule sometimes. And I think I'm in mine. I think I've arrived and the doors are locked. I'm okay with it. I don't think you are though, because you do explore and you do take like risks in regards to what you wear. And I love my fashion. I love, I love looking up new fashion. I love putting together looks. But anytime I try to get outside of that capsule, I'm like, ooh, I don't think that this is me. I'll try it. I will certainly try it. But every time I do, I'm like, Oof, girl, just stay in your lane. And I mean that in like a good way. Like I know what works for me and I don't have to be trendy just to be trendy. And I shouldn't say I've always been like that. I've not. It's actually John, because I was complaining to him at one point. I was like, these like the, the wide. I like a wide leg jean, but not with a fucking sneaker. No, it's got to be. You can't. No. I'm not tall or thin enough to pull that off. And I'm aware of my, you know, I'm aware of what I'm working with. Um, but yeah, he's like, why, well, why are you wearing it then? I was like, I don't know. Cause it's like the look. And he was like, okay. Like, but you don't like it. I'm like, I know, but I'm trying to make it fucking work. Um, so it's, it's finding like what works and, and sticking with it. And then like sprinkling in a couple pieces to update it rather than like go like doing like full athleisure also does not work for me. I'm big into the athleisure. So like I have a whole bunch of these like Nike shorts and hoodies that I, I, I wear and I'm, I'm good on that, but I don't like dress clothes. I don't. I'm surprised you don't because I feel like you'd be like a very tailored man. Oh, no. When I, I have suits and everything that I will make sure that they're tailored and they're neat and like I will look great in them and I love to wear them when I have to go out to something. But I'm not really trying to wear like tapered uh, like dress slacks if I don't really have anywhere to go. Like you give me like a nice flared uh, like dress pant with a pair of boots and I can wear like a like a shirt. I'm like a button down type of shirt. I'm good. You know what I really want to experiment with? And let me see if I could send it to you right now while, Ooh, we're, while okay, we're doing all right. this. All um, right. Talk to me. I think this is more along the lines of an absolute Ricky Starks, if I'm going to be completely honest. Oh. But I think this is what I I have been like gearing towards this. Um, 
and Are you I texting really texting it to me. Yeah, I got to get it first. I got to find it first. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a cool little like clothing design, uh, and I kind of want this shirt, and I'm absolutely like in love with it. I think I could pull this off with a pair of flare. Oh, one hundred percent, you could. Right? I see. That's, that's very like. You do realize that you're getting into like Harry Styles world with this, right? Watermelon sugar high, babe. Let's go. Fucking A. Which I love. Harry Styles just knows what's up right now. How to dress. Like He's this perfect. like gender fluid vibe that like he also definitely doesn't like lose his like fuckability with it, you know? Nope. Which is a powerful, powerful bit of witchcraft that he's working with there. It is the highest of witchcraft when you can do that. So so for those that are wondering what the hell did he just send her, it is a black lace shirt with a ruffle button um, Oh yeah, front. sorry. We should have uh, painted a picture for everybody with our words. So what I want to do is I want to buy this shirt. I have my cousin's wedding coming up in September and I have a flared suit. What are you going to do about your nipples? I don't care. I'll rock them at a family function. I'm going to unbutton. I'm going to unbutton a thing too like an ungodly douchey button that's probably going to come down right to my like right to the sternum right to the sternum (laughs) my pearls are probably going to be free flowing a little bit of the taco meat's going to be there you know what I mean like that's that's what I'm into so it's like I love my my hype beastie streetwear but then also give me a little bit of this like you said gender baby in a corner baby is not in a box when it comes to clothing I like that that's what I'm doing so You know what's funny that I think about with that because I I like that a lot and I feel like I think that sometimes because right now I often I'm usually just in like my yoga clothes because at some point I have the goal of working out (laughs) Um, but I'm usually just like rolling around with the kid and like doing a million different things so I'm always just in like workout clothes but then when I actually put on an outfit I'm like wait how does this work again? What is going on in the real world? I don't know what's happening. And since COVID, when everyone was just in their sweats to now we're in this like big t-shirts, big jeans. I just, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's also, Sometimes this- you just got to go back to the drawing board. Well, that's go back also to the, the basics. Style. Go back for what you know, what works. I know, but that I don't love it. It's a very unflattering style. It's cute on you. If you're five foot eight and 120 pounds, I'm neither of those things. I'm almost six foot at 180, so it's like I can pull them off because I do have an elongated torso. But I, I'm i very skeptical about things like Kanye West, what he's doing with Gap and Balenciaga, where they're doing this like uh, this, this Gap-Balenciaga-Yeezy collaboration. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm kind of like, damn, do I really want to get one of these Yeezy Gap shirts with with the Balenciaga and it has like a dove in the back. It says gap in the big letters, but it's, it's an oversized crop. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I could, I can mentally risk spending $140 on a t-shirt like that. Yeah. You know, like yeah, I spent a pretty penny on this thing. Cause I'm trying to collect all the shirts that were made in this era from, from WWE merchandise. So it's like, they're all the same. Like I have a Brett, I have, um, Lex Luger, I have a Roddy Piper, like I have a Steiner Brothers, so like I have a, like from that time, but I don't know if I could, if I could do it, you know, like I've made oversized crops before and they fit fine and I get them like hemmed up at the what bottom. What do you wear but- them with? What do you wear the, like a crop shirt? What, it, what, like I'm thinking of like an old school football player wearing like a crop shirt. Well, no, if I go work out or if I'm doing like some type of like activity outside from going for a run, yeah, then it'll, it'll come up from here, right? If I wanted to see what the what the Yeezy Gap hype was, all right, well, what I'll do is I'll buy 
a St. Because this is the best t-shirt. St. John's Bay. They're like super cheap, but they're super soft. Really, real cozy. And I'll buy like a 2XL for like $13. And I will cut it and then get it hemmed to where it's like maybe it reaches like as I like to call them, the fuck muscles. It's like that little, oh, yeah. like, that curve. Yeah, yeah so the little Vs. The little Vs, so it's, like, right there. So it's, like, when you do, like, reach for something, you're not showing, like, somebody your nipples in the store, but you're yeah, just yeah. showing you're showing a little bit of, like, that pube bone. Just a little, hey, how you doing? That's it. Like, hey, a little wink. Like, hey, you can look at the runway strip. Hey, girl. Go ahead, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, hey. girl. Check it. Look at these do abs. Do you have to worry about, like, um like a, do we just let, does the treasure trail just run wild and free? Um, yeah, if you're, if you're comfortable with it, like I, I like my chest hair. There's only certain times that I, I groom it. I do, I do like to keep it like, you know, young, wild and free down there. But like, yeah, yeah, as you should, you know, my twins. Anytime in- John shaves his, uh, <laughs> What, what about your twigs? I keep the twigs and berries trimmed. Like that is. Oh, okay. Like, but I'm not, it's not going to look like this down there. So it's like. No, no, no. Like the chest is going to be like. Don't pick choose your battles. Well, also shaved chest hair uh, becomes very prickly. I always would get annoyed if John would shave it. Because I'm like, now you're, you're messing with my day. Like it can, it looks one way, but like now it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's unapproachable. You got to keep it soft and keep it fluffy. Right. But you also don't want to be when you're laying in the nook, like Carrie Bradshaw used to say, like laying in that, that, that comfortable spot when you're cuddling, like right between the armpit and the chest. That's like the nook. Like you don't want to get prickles on your face. No, I do not. No, let the, let the chest hair go. You know what else is nice though? Um, is those like the beard. I know you must obviously know about the beard oils and the beard washes and all that shit, but there's some really nice ones. There was one that John had that was, um, uh, Maestro's that comes in and does all the, um, beard trimming and hair stuff for all the guys at WWE. Fuck. What was it? It was like, like leather and tobacco or something like that. But it was like really a dreamy smell. I loved it because it was it was very appealing. It was like masculine, but like still like had some really like soft, pretty notes to it. I think when you can start mixing like maybe some citrus or just like the smallest bit of lavender into like the notes of if it's a woodsy like patchouli kind of thing. I think I love a patchouli. I don't care what anyone says. I'm a fan. I actually have an oil of it in my fanny pack right now that has since opened and now my whole bag smells of it and I quite enjoy it. I wouldn't be mad at that if that happened to it's me. It's nice. Because even like I keep my sunglasses in there and I pull my sunglasses out and my whole face smells like patchouli and I'm kind of into that little bubble. See, look, and then people when they they, they meet you for the first time and they get to like they're breathe in, in your essence, essence of yes. Paquette, they're like, wait a minute, why does Paquette smell who like patchouli? Who is this earthy woman? Like, wow, who is this goddess she of the earth? She must meditate. Does she have a crystal on her? Does she take her shoes off and ground? Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there, and you can see us talking having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there. Um, And that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on 
the YouTube as well, so we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know? Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, we like filtering through them all, reading about them. Maybe even, like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.